Hey guys, it's Sarah. And Kenny. And you are listening to Pawnee today, the show where we talk about our thoughts and enjoy one of the best shows I've ever seen, Parks and Recreation. And just so you know, it is available to watch in its entirety on Netflix. Kenny, any thoughts before we begin? Oh gosh, this is the first episode. It's awkward. It's uh, doing a lot to mirror its uh, sister show, which was The Office. That's why I started watching it, because I was watching The Office and saw commercials for this show saying it was written by the same people. And the first episode was really awkward. Yes, it was awkward. Um, Should we just start in on the episode? Yeah, I think so. And we are trying to line this up a little bit with the show. It's going to skip around, so don't expect us to have like quick verbatim on what's happening in the scene. Enjoy it. Hang out with us. Our kid isn't here to make noise. It would still be pretty comical if he was, but in the meantime, let's begin with one of the weirdest pilots I've ever seen, and I cannot believe I watched another episode past this point. Yeah. So the first episode starts out with a scene of Leslie <laughs> trying to get a drunk guy out of a kid's playground slide and did it really i have no thoughts on did, this did it this not is... seem weird to you that the guy playing the drunk is like 23 no why is I there a drunk college kid in the slide i just think it's endearing it's really nice that a beer cat would really hit the road and like try to help on that level I think that it's important for character development, but other than that, it's just really slow. And I guess what they're trying to do in that scene is just explain, or I guess, like, show you an example of how committed and passionate she is about Parks, but it just kind of makes her seem very desperate. I just think that the first five minutes of this entire episode are the equivalent of the awkwardness of, you know, that first day that you're in your class and your professor make some really lame joke and everyone laughs because they don't know what else to do and we're stuck watching this tv and we're like maybe it'll get better it really yeah. doesn't or like <clears throat> i don't know maybe if you were talking to someone you didn't really know and you're trying desperately to connect with them and you didn't really hear their last remark so you just laugh because you figure you've got about a 25 percent chance to be right or make a lifelong enemy yeah uh... it's pretty bad that's, that's a good way to sum it up. So Leslie tries to hold a town meeting at the school. Uh, they turn off the lights, so they have to go into a classroom. And she's there to hear the issues of the people, and that's where she meets Anne, whose boyfriend Andy fell into a pit by her house and broke both of his legs. And Leslie promises to fix it. I just feel like if you've ever seen Finding Bigfoot, you'll know that those town meetings really drive the plot line. I appreciate the spotlight cast on the common man, especially because the common man is typically cracked, and we all need to see that to be okay with ourselves. I feel like they just keep coming out throughout the entire show and saying these ridiculous non-sequiturs, and as ridiculous as it is, we can all relate, because that's what it's like to be in a room of peers. Non-sequitur, like, okay, I want to talk about Laura Lenny. <laughs> No, yeah, you're right. I never thought about the Finding Bigfoot thing, but... Um, oh my gosh, it's I why almost... I watched the show and, like, the weird <laughs> technology, you know, if I ever want to go out in the wilderness and find Bigfoot, well, or just... people who care about government <laughs> and know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, now I wonder, like, what came first. Oh, great, now this podcast is going to have cursing, I promise myself. Sorry, Jesus. You cursed? I didn't even realize. So no, I, I to... talked about a location, how? Oh. It's in Michigan. We should oh, go there Michigan. sometime. It's very lukewarm. <laughs> anyway... That's ironic. 
Uh, I just wanted to point out Tom's weird haircut. That's all you wanted to point out about well, that? Well, I mean, at the same... I think this came out, what, 2008, 2009? Mm-hmm. And around the same time, he was on Flight of the Concords with the same haircut. Yeah, I thought that. He was on Flight of the Concords? Yeah, he played a racist fruit vendor who didn't like Australians, and he thought that they were Australian, but turned out they were New Zealanders. And he's like, oh, never mind. I'll give you guys some fruit. That is very random factoid mm-hmm. and stuff. Um, I just like how he establishes himself as a very misogynistic a-hole right from the start. Um, the way that he's talking to Anne, asking her to leave the meeting to have sex with him. Well, I mean, um, he heavily implies, but, you know, he is married. That's all he does because he doesn't have a backbone. He spends too much money on hair care products to have a backbone. Well, I did notice his flirting which he does a lot throughout the show in this episode it's like the most white bread flirting like there's no panaz there's no swag it's just it's like the most dulcet like uh well you know we could just go and get some maybe perhaps it is supposed to be a nod to the mundane life of local government bureaucrats like he's so like he's so bored that he's trying to hook up with someone at this meeting yeah. I guess we could forgive him this one fault if it was only one, but it's not. Um, the other thing I like how she scene, totally dismisses him too, like doesn't give him the time of day. I appreciate that. Well, I mean, it's not the appropriate time of place no. at all. Plus, she just said she had a boyfriend. Oh, Lord. I forgot about that. And he's supposed to be married. Doesn't he say that right from the get go? He points at the ring. I mean, <laughs> I guess if, you, if I you're would listening. I walk away. Should, should we discuss if we're going to talk about future episodes, or are we doing this, like, first time watch? No, 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 we've never seen this. This is the first time. I haven't watched this show in its entirety seven times. No, no, no. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't come from the future. It's 2007, as far as I'm concerned. We will add to the plot as we learn, and just in case you haven't seen this show, I will just say you might, potentially... Be in for the thrill ride of your life, because I might have loved this show enough to talk about it. That's all I'm going to say. I know nothing else. We can also see into the future, because this show started in 2009, not 2007. Do you see the <laughs> um, sass I have to deal with? I did want to point out in that one scene, though, that the coach, or the guy who guy the guy who the talks, guy. <laughs> the guy who guys. Um, You're going to have to narrow it down just a wee bit. Uh, he's the girl's coach in season two. Oh, he is? Yeah, but they don't... No, we're not talking about that. Shh. No. Oh. Oh, I just brought this up, didn't I? Future man. (laughs) All right. Well, so... We do not know about. Next scene, uh, we meet... Tell us the future of computers. Will they take up entire rooms? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Just a desk. (laughs) Uh, We meet Mark, who tells Leslie that fixing the pit is impossible. And then we meet Andy in the pit. And when Leslie shows up to see it, she falls in and... Hurts her neck. Allegedly. Yeah, hurts in quotations. She's pretty much a hypochondriac. For the, just love, this one episode. I love the fact that Leslie is very similar in her mannerisms to Michael Scott in this first season. Mm-hmm. It's very visible fingerprints of the office producers on this first season. The looking at the camera, as everybody remembers, and <laughs> it's happening right now as we watch it. 
and she's just very inappropriate, not great at reading people as her character, and uh, yeah, like I feel Colin. very uncomfortable in everything she says. Just like in The Office, I don't know if I should laugh or turn it off. How? Thank God I persevered. What about, like, Leslie being slightly racist by thinking Tom's Libyan? Oh, yes, and then he describes himself from Bennettsville, South Carolina, as a bit of a redneck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh-huh. I'm like, in what way? Uh, yeah, this first season, I think they really, they kind of just did paint by numbers. Did they the actually hire writers, or was and this improv? Because that would be impressive. I think it's mostly write or written, because you can tell in season two when the actors start to actually step out of their characters and into their own personas that they put on them. Uh, like, Tom becomes more of an Aziz, and... Donna becomes more of a red. Ron becomes more of a. Yeah, Donna uh, is like Michael. nothing in this first. I mean, definitely the first episode, she develops no presence to the plot line. She's just one of the. I mean, what is it like when you start your first day? Can you imagine being a bureaucrat in local government? That is exactly how it must feel. You walk into this room full of people who are different than you. You might have gone to school for the same thing, or some of them might have studied film, or Lord knows what, and you all end up there. And have to make your mark. Speaking of Mark, Mark Brandanowitz. <laughs> Glad you grasped that concept. I feel very valuable here. I just didn't know if you were talking about real politics or the No, show. real life. Maybe that's what they're getting at, or maybe it's truly not that clever. I'm just giving a lot of credit because I truly believe that this show is very entertaining and worthwhile to politics today, especially because of the um, court of dissonance that we're all experiencing. I think that it's really great to have a show to look back on and maybe discover for the first time that brings us together. If I may, do you have something to add to that? It's um, okay to say no. Leslie is Just 33. Say no. no, she's 34. No, she said she's barely 34. Well, I guess that makes you 34. <laughs> <laughs> I guess on your birthday we should be like, way to go, buddy. You're almost there. <laughs> like, <laughs> what even? Okay. Leslie's... 34, which <laughs> dates her, so you can guess by what season 7 that would make her 41. Can I just say, how pissed would you be if this wasn't recording right now? <laughs> oh no. That's happened before to me, and I don't like that. It happens to me when you're talking to me sometimes. Yeah, and then I don't want to repeat it. I'm like, I'll just wait until. Just forget it. Wait Kenny, until five for the love of God, now. please tell me what you were thinking. Um, and then the other thing I saw was uh, Leslie has a signed autograph from Larry Bird. And oh, she does? Yeah, and it says, to Leslie, spelled L-E-S-L-E-Y. And she keeps it throughout the entire show. <gasps> oh, what an Easter egg to yeah. nothing. I mean, I guess I it's just I almost wonder, though, if like error. the producers wrote it like that, because that's the way her name was, and it would be spelled in a weird way. Or maybe they just actually thought that it would be funny. And uh, so I missed out on some of the... Uh, I wanted Plot. to discuss a little bit about um, Leslie and Ron, okay. and I mentioned this a little bit before in the podcast, but I was talking about how um, nice it is for us to have other people who we might not agree with in the real world, but to have the chance to see what somebody else's view might be. I mean, it's really simple. She wants to build a park for children. She wants to fix a problem. How lovely. I mean, this is the kind of person that we all want to elect into office. They get some of our power and we get services back. That's the very essence of government. And then you see someone like Ron who very adamantly 
protest to that because he's so worried about the government's hand being in his own community. It's funny to see the dichotomy of politics and how we can immediately invoke an opinion. No wonder we are all at odds with each other, especially in this time in our country where it really has been sparked in the last two years. It's nice to see these people that are on different sides of the aisles um, and to somehow agree with both. Would you agree that it's a good lesson in tolerance? Yeah. Should we mention the fact that we're different political parties? We are. And we're still happily, after almost five years now, not divorced. It is possible <laughs> not to, <laughs> to disagree with someone and yet respect them. And in our home, it is a level that really can't be beat. I mean, honestly, we have to agree to disagree to make daily life possible. Um, I think that's a really good takeaway for people. And as far as programming, in my opinion, goes this day and age, I have a very hard time finding things that I actually want to invest my time into watching. And it's funny because I can agree and disagree so much, even on the things that I would claim in my brain to be foundations. It really is subject to the situation. We should all be learning to listen more than talk. That's a good lesson for all of us to learn. That's a good lesson for me because I sure love talking. <laughs> I like listening. Yes, that's really how this began because he listened to podcasts for years and years and years now, and I'm only just discovering the value in it. Um, never was really interested before. We both work in factories. I don't know if we want to divulge that much information, but you might as well know. Yeah, this is the uh, get really to know hit the, the podcaster yeah. segment. <laughs> you know what? We are daydreamers. We're visionaries. Um, I think the world. I dream at night. You don't dream at all. You tell me about, like, Jerry Garcia doing something goofy in a dream. I had a dream about a bug last night. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It's George Lopez. George Lopez? You were like, you wouldn't believe what George Lopez was doing in the past 30 seconds in my dream. And I'm like, really? I was dreaming about being chased by zombies and my kid falling out the window. And now I'm generally concerned about that. Don't get me started on dreams and interpretations. Okay, then I won't. Um, Moving on. Wow, that was a really good... Segway. Segway. That's a really good 10 mile per hour form of Speaking transportation. Of nothing. Nothing about that. And we're still on the air. Next scene <laughs> is Ron Swanson, like Mark, telling Leslie that fixing the pit is impossible. And then Mark feels bad for Leslie and pulls some strings with Ron to get the pit fixed rolling. I called it the pit fix. <laughs> like, what is I this? didn't know how else to say it. How very endearing. For someone who's not from the future and hasn't seen originally what happened. Can I say that enough? This, this is like a legality that I refuse to deny. If we're going to stick to this, we do not believe in spoilers. Unless you ask for them because, oh my gosh, I am teeming with spoilers. I'm just going to eat them up and that sounded like a turkey. <laughs> it's really something a podcast can't capture. <laughs> Um, what was I going to say? <laughs> Something about spoilers now. And, uh, nope, wasn't there. Oh, well, I guess I was just going to mention that the scene after the one I just described is Leslie hearing the news. No, I want to talk about that. I'm just going to say what happens. Okay, uh, Leslie yeah. hears the news that is good, 
and celebrates with champagne, and you get your first Anne and Leslie drunk scene. That's what I wanted to talk about. Well, I'll talk about it. I shall. So, I really love how in the very first episode, you see this cast getting drunk. Not everyone. Um, not to say that getting drunk is the greatest way to show yourself off, because it's not your greatest self, and with a room full of colleagues, probably not the greatest idea to share, in my opinion. But I do, however, believe that people should celebrate their small victories in life. Um, yet another uplifting moment in this show that I feel like anyone could relate to. I mean, think about... the small victories? I think that these life landmarks that we're all hoping to hit are the brainchild of, I mean, really trying to compare yourself to other people. But if you celebrate the small victories, you learn to set this pace for yourself that it's more like um, a nice tour of life versus, well, if I don't hit this, then I'm just going to blank. I hate that. I think that, I mean, I can't imagine the excitement that I would feel in being the idea daddy, if you will, of a subcommittee. It's these simple things that moves a change and evokes change. I think that it's great to have end goals. Really, it is. But if you are not making these small strides in life, the essence of it, you are never going to realize where you came from. So if you move a drunk out of a slide, you should give yourself a high five in public. Even though it's very uncomfortable watching this show. Yeah. And I think kind of building on your point um, about shows like this, uh, I've said it before to friends of mine, but there's certain shows that take a while to get to the point of what they're trying to Kind of like this podcast. Be patient. But they do a lot of really cool things along the way. And I equate it to when you're on a road trip with your parents. Sometimes your parents just want to get to where you're going, and they just drive there. And sometimes it's a 12-hour drive, so you just drive straight for 12 hours. And other times you have a 12-hour drive ahead of you. And your parents say, well, we're going to make a few stops along the way. We're going to go to this museum. We'll go see this largest ball of yarn. And we'll throw pennies off the Grand Canyon. And then we'll go to... Houston, or wherever you're getting to. What I'm saying is that it's, <laughs> what it's better saying? to enjoy all the stuff that happens along the way to your destination Smell than the roses. only looking at your destination the whole time. Good lord, my friend, I'm trying to paraphrase desperately, and you keep going on and on and on about the biggest ball of yarn. Have you seen the biggest ball of yarn? I've seen the second biggest ball of yarn. <laughs> you've <seen> it. <laughs> yeah. Are you messing with me? No. <laughs> I feel like he was speaking. I don't from remember the heart. where it was, but it was somewhere. So, as our child is coming to talk to us, I guess we'll conclude with be patient with us. Um, we will try our very best not to spoil. We truly love this show. It's very important to me. Um, it's one of those things that we came together mm-hmm. enjoying. We first met each other, and five years later, we still enjoy it. It can mean something for your life. Um, and if it doesn't mean much, maybe you can listen to us vaping off, and we can be friends. And if you live in Grand Rapids, Michigan, you hit us up, because we are some lonely, lonely parents. And if you, if you have any babysitting experience, we would love <laughs> to have you come watch our kids. Yes, 
just kidding. If you respond to this, we're probably going to think you're a murderer. You won't even get anywhere near my I'm not going to think that. <laughs> <laughs> he believes the best in people. Um, I'm very protective of my child, actually. I can't believe that he's in daycare now. I can't believe that we found someone that I trust. Do you trust her? <laughs> yes, I trust her. <laughs> it just went off the rails. Um, so should we wrap this up? I thought we did. <laughs> That's wrapping it up, I guess. Uh, you've been listening to the... What are we calling this? Pawnee, Pawnee Today. Today. Podcast? Or just Pawnee Today? And I would love to say who says that, but I'm not from the future, so you will just have to be patient, my friends. Thank you for joining us. And, um, bye.